Hello and welcome to the Refuge Church Podcast, where we long to see the lost saved, the saved transformed, and the transformed sent. For more information on how you can be a part of Refuge Church, join us on Sunday mornings in Jacksonville at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. or visit our website at refugejackschurch.com. In this week's podcast, we are continuing our sermon series through Luke. Thank you for listening. We are going to... uh... I'm going to enter into a time of prayer together as a church before we get into the sermon. Um, uh, so here, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and then I'll get us started. I'm going to leave a few moments of silence for you, um, and then I'll lead us through a prayer. And, and, and this morning, I'd love for us to take a moment to spend this time in prayer around the idea of renewal. <clears throat> Just that the Lord might renew uh, our desire for him, renew our understanding of his love for us, uh, renew our desire for prayer or for the word. Um, 2 Corinthians uh, verse 4 says, so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all I'm not sure about you, but uh, and life can be heavy, and there can be a million voices speaking in. And just that we might take a few minutes this morning to be reminded of the voice that matters the most. So uh, if you would pray with me. God, we love you. And we just want to start by saying we are grateful that we can approach you, that you don't see us as sinners. You see Christ in our place. And so we can approach you right now, God, uh, as a son to a father, bringing our needs to you. God, this morning we come to you asking for renewal. I'm going to give the church just a moment to pray quietly, and then I'll come back and lead us through a prayer. Jesus, knowing our sin, you died in our place. Knowing us at our worst and our darkness, you still chose to die in our place. An act of love like no other. God, in the midst of all our distractions today and this week, Lord, we pray for renewal in you. Lord, give us a holy perspective of the challenges, temptations, sufferings, and even the world we live in. God, if we return to you with a repentant heart after we have sinned, you will always embrace us and let us start fresh. Lord, help us to be renewed by your love this morning. Lord, you are full of compassion and love, slow to anger, rich in mercy. God, let these truths remind us of the renewal you offer here. God, in our homes, where challenges and frustrations busyness and schedules can often take precedence. Lord, we pray you'd bring renewal to our homes. As you are the creator and author of reconciliation, Lord, would you bring reconciliation where it's needed in our lives, reconciliation that leads to renewal. Father, in your chapel, we are safe. 
safe to let down our guard and to dwell in your presence and to seek renewal by your spirit. Can we do that? Lord, you came for the needy, the poor, the oppressed, the forsaken, and those whose society has forgotten. Help us never to forget them. God, renew our hearts for those who have been forsaken. Lord, we ask for your spirit as we seek renewal that only you can give. Lord, would you renew our desire to read your word, to love your word, to know your word, to, to bury it deep in our souls. Lord, would you renew our desire to pray, to commune with you, to meet with you, and to not give up on prayer. Lord, would, would you renew our desire to sing and exalt you in song? God, would you renew our desire to live holy lives that bring you glory? God, we need you and we love you. Amen. Before we get into the sermon, uh, we're going to show a quick video. There's no way to segue this. We don't show a lot of videos, so that's why this is pretty important. Um, but I'll show you the video and then I'll talk about it. Well, hello out there. Welcome to Show Hope's inaugural Hope for the Journey Conference. We are so glad and thankful to be here with you. I love that we're calling this Hope for the Journey because um, it's a journey, right? And each day is a new day. We as human beings are born to connect, but not born connected. That is a picture of God's love and the trustworthiness of him as the source of connectedness who moves toward us. Meeting a child's needs is not spoiling a child. Meeting a child's need is laying the foundation for them to have healthy relationships as an adult. You can't do this alone. You gotta have community, you gotta have friends, family, hold hands, have a good heart, and uh, walk in. Go out on the journey. Any uh, Stephen Curtis Chapman fans? Anybody know who that is? Maybe it's a better question. Amazing. Okay. Um, so they used to be music artists, and uh, now they uh, help host this ministry called Hope for the Journey. Um, if you uh, have ever had a desire to, uh, if you have in your home, or if you may one day down the road, or even have friends that foster, adopt, or somewhere in that world, or you're just really close to a family that does, uh, this conference is for you. We're going to do it here at the church. You can show up in your PJs and just sit in a chair and listen. We want to make this as accessible as possible to you. Um, I think we're going to do some dessert and coffee, correct me, Christine, Friday night, and then Saturday we're going to do some food. We're still figuring all that out, but uh, we want to make this as accessible to you as possible. Um, one of the incredible things about our church is we have a lot of uh, fostered and adoptive children in our church, and hear me, it should be that way, um, but to not um, and educate and encourage ourselves properly in these things, uh, we will not make it. As you heard them say, you can't do it alone. So um, we want to offer this. So uh, we'll be talking more about it April 22nd and 23rd. Uh, we'll get an email out in the next week or two for more info, um, and, uh, and we'll go from there. But you need to do everything you can, move head and earth to be at this. We don't show a lot of videos, so I'm doing this to say, hey, we showed that because it's important, okay? Um, that's it. My wife is around somewhere, and so let me just do this. Today, uh, this week, we'll celebrate 19 years of marriage. If you see her, say, way to go. You've put up with that joker for 19 years. Um, yeah, uh, I, I wanted to honor her publicly. She's probably watching kids somewhere right now. So uh, if you see her, say, way to go, you. So uh, she genuinely has been with me uh, for 19 years, but uh, the whole time we've been in ministry, and she has served quietly right alongside me. Uh, and if she was in here, I would tell her, I am better because of you, but she's serving so still that way. So uh, 
Um, but I wanted to say that publicly and give her honor publicly. Okay, listen. Um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, there are two incredible options. Um, and for inviting neighbors, family, friends, co-workers to church, this is part of the sermon, just so you're aware, okay? Uh, the Spring Fling, um, our kind of sp- uh, spring event, will be Saturday, April 9th. Uh, out here, we'll have a petting zoo, we'll have bounce houses, there'll be free burgers and dogs. Uh, this is a way for you to say, hey, come and join us at our church. Uh, hey, community, we love you. Um, also, Easter under the tent. Last year, uh, someone tried to park a car in our chapel, and so we had to do the tent. So this year, we're doing the tent because we want to, okay? People liked it last year. Pray for good weather. Um, but man, that tent, we've had neighbors pull up and be like, hey, you're doing the tent thing again? I said, we are. They said, we'll be there. I said, all right. And so uh, if it takes a tent to get them here, we're going to do it. And here's the thing. These are opportunities for you and I, man, to invite people to be a part of our church. Uh, I'll tell you two stories real quick. There's a family that comes to our church. They're members. And they were invited because they posted on Facebook in one of these groups that they were getting ready to foster. And two or three people messaged this family and said, hey, this church down the street would love to give you diapers, get in the closet, get some foster closet stuff out and that kind of thing. And they're now members because someone invited them. And I'll tell you another story uh, of, a, of a couple. This is my favorite one. There's a couple that goes to this church. Um, he, uh, the husband, is like the ISS coordinator at the school he works at. Uh, and one day, um, a, a family was picking up their kid from the school, and they had to go talk to this guy. And they met because their kid was in ISS. And through that conversation, that dad of the kid who was in ISS looks at the coordinator and says, Hey, do you go to church anywhere? And so the connection was the kid who was in ISS, and that simple invite allowed them to be members here. Man, don't miss this today as we talk about invites. I'll tell you one more story. We, um, we moved here about 10 years ago to Jack's. Our neighbors from the first home we lived in did not know the Lord. Um, they were lost, uh, and he was the coolest, manliest guy I've met. He actually knew how to do things with his hands, like build stuff, and he knew how to take care of cars, and he drove like four motorcycles, and I drove a minivan, so like it, there was, you know, it was off, and so he would sit outside in the driveway, like no shirt on, doing curls, and I would walk out with a shirt on saying, good morning, you know, and so, I mean, just incredible guy, and manly guy from Poland, I believe, and got to know each other, and uh, he lived with his girl at the time, and they decided to get married, and his friend was going to do the wedding, but then his friend backed out, and he said, hey, don't you, he, he, this is how he said it, don't you preacher? And I said, close, you know, and so, uh, and so I got to do his wedding, and I said, here's the deal, man, I do your wedding, we get to be friends, so we got to be friends, um, and I invited him to Easter Sunday uh, at, our, at, at, at Fruit Cove, and he came, and we would set up the gym as kind of an overflow, and I, he sat right, I'll never forget, he and his, his wife then sat right in front of us with their kids in the service, heard the gospel. The next year, I get a text about two weeks before Easter, hey, are y'all doing that Easter gym thing again? I think we need to go to church. And he came again, and I think he came to three different Easter services. And uh, in um, spring of 2020, right before COVID, I got a message uh, that he had driven his car into a pole and died. And, and, and just, it was really startling. It was actually, if you were around, we were doing the potluck and prayers. And I was asked to go speak at his funeral at Mayport and then get back here for one of these early potluck and prayers. And I just remember standing in front of the family and, and just, just the... Man, I did not know that he was going to lose his life that quickly. We kept up on Facebook. He would comment. He was a Florida Gator fan, sadly, and so we would have that banter back and forth, and, and he's not there. And I just remember that invite. I don't know if he ever placed faith in Christ, but I know we heard the gospel. And so in light of that, man, we're going to look at this account in Luke chapter 19. 
of Jesus and, and Zacchaeus. Now, go ahead and get it out of your system. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. We Get it out. Just move on. It's awful. Uh, the whole time I'm studying, I just kept thinking about it, and I was like, stop. And so um, I had to turn on music over and over. So just get it out of your system so we can move on. If you don't know what that is, you're better for it, okay? But you can ask Stephen after to sing it to you, and he will. So he'll serenade you with that. So uh, over the last few weeks, we've asked this question. Man, we've asked, uh, man, does God really love me? If you were here at the first of the prodigal son, does God really love me? Does the Father really love me kind of no matter what? And then we asked, uh, do I really love God? And we gave this picture last week of the older son being having feelings and frustrations and anger towards the fact that the father welcomed the younger son home. So here's the question for today. I mean, these simple questions that I think really burden our hearts. Here's the question. Does God really love others? So we've said, does God really love me? And we tried to answer that. And man, do I really love God? And we tried to answer that. So this week it's, does God really love others? If so, man, how does this impact how I live and how I treat people? Because if God really loves others, then it should impact how I live and treat people. If I know of a gracious God who is compassionate towards me, I should want to take that message to others that I encounter. Man, at the end of Luke 19, verse 10, it's not the end of the chapter, but the end of the section we're going to cover, Jesus, it says this, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So here's what I want you to do. Look at verse 1 with me. There's two words in verse 1 that stick out in Luke 19. It says, he entered Jericho. So we're, we're heading towards uh, Easter. Uh, we're heading towards the final week of Jesus' life. And as Jesus is making his way, verse 1, he's, he's entered Jericho, and it says these two words, and he was passing through. I just want to pause there for a mission for a minute and say this. First of all, we know that Jesus is on a mission, is he not? He's on a mission to go to the cross to take my penalty for my sin and your penalty for your sin. This is the greatest mission and the greatest destination of all time. Where Jesus is going matters more than any appointment you've ever had. And it says as he was passing through, he's headed to die on a cross. And he's passing through, and here's what I wrote in my notes. He's passing through yet he's available. And so often we miss such opportunities to engage other people or simply invite them to church simply because we're not available. Listen, one of the challenges of busyness is our own souls. We've said this several times. One of the challenges of busyness is disobedience in the area of sharing the gospel with those you come in contact with. If we're too busy, we will not be available. I mean, think of your own passing throughs. Coffee. Do you go to the same coffee shop often? Your neighborhood, what neighbors do you interact with? Target, any Target people all the time. Like, like, don't skip going inside and pull in and let them bring it to you. Go inside. Like, if they know you at the thing where you pull up and they bring you the bag, that's okay. But maybe go inside as well, right? Think of your own passing through. Is there intentionality? Listen, we don't buy Social House only because it's good. It's good coffee, but we want to be in our neighborhood. They're in our neighborhood. They are our neighbors, and we should have a strong gospel presence in our neighborhood. Most of our lives, hear me, is, is, are, are passing through. Passing through intentionally. Men, men, go to the same places. Where you pass through, men, has gospel appointment in it. Most of the time, you didn't end up there or in front of that person by accident. And so I would tell you this is, Pass through being available, but also pass through with gospel motives. And who's around me? Who am I interacting with? Who doesn't know Christ? Who doesn't go to church? Part of living sent, as we state each week, 
is passing through everywhere we go with gospel motives. Verse 2, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector, he was rich, and he was a wee little man. This is what we know about Zacchaeus. I don't know why the Bible wants to make a big deal about him being small, although I kind of know, but I, it's just one of those things you have to kind of get through. But the other two things we know about him is he was a chief tax collector, meaning he was influential and powerful. This was not a guy that nobody knew. This was a guy that everyone in Jericho probably knew as the chief tax collector. He probably wasn't religious. He probably had a lot of influence. He was admired for his power, but maybe not as a person. They loved the position, but maybe not the person. And he probably knew that. He'd actually gotten wealthy. It says he was wealthy, probably on the backs of overtaxing people to put a little extra in his pocket. Sketchy gain. So he's rich, he's powerful, he's influential. And the Bible will also tell us he's small. And he was seeking to see Jesus. Check out that verse. He was seeking to see Jesus. He had interest or curiosity in Jesus. He was seeking to see Jesus, but on account of the crowd, he could not, also because he was small in nature. So you, 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 you have to see what's happening there. Number one, he wants to see Jesus. There's something about him that's stirred, that's going, I, I, I want to see what this guy's about. I've heard stories, and I want to see what he's about. However, the crowd is keeping me away, and my own small stature is keeping me away. I mean, what is he asking? Who is Jesus? What is he asking? What can he do for me? The same question so many ask today, what can Jesus do for me? If he's really God, does he really care about me? Did he really die for me? Yet we see two impediments. The, the crowd kept Zacchaeus from Christ. And I want you to get that the crowd would have been followers of Jesus to at least some extent. And they were keeping him from Christ instead of welcoming him in. They kept him away. And think about your own if you're a member here at Refuge, how you treat others that come in here, man, we should be on red alert for guests, drawing them in. I want you to see Jesus make a way and a place for our guests. And it also is his nature. Something he couldn't control was keeping him from Christ. Like I think one of the things we can take away from this is most people will need someone to bring them near to Jesus. God can save anyone, anytime, anywhere, but God uses Christians to make that gospel connection. So here, here's what I want to say. Invitations, men, are the most powerful tool you probably have in sharing the gospel. God can save someone anytime, anywhere, but these invitations are so powerful. Listen, when I was in the sixth grade, you might remember this, not like because you weren't there with me, but your own life. Do you remember that first time you were invited to a real birthday party? I remember getting an invitation, and, it, and I remember it was slipped in my desk, and it was the first ever boy-girl party. Remember this? Remember this? I regret going, to be clear. Learned things. Didn't want to learn. Didn't need to learn. Okay, but I remember getting that invitation and going, holy smokes, got to iron my dockers. Like, it's game time. Going to girl-girl-boy girl party, right? I remember putting on my church shoes. I, my, I got a new sweater. I don't know why. We lived in Georgia. It was hot. But I bought a sweater, like, put gel in my hair for the first time. Still doing that. I don't even, anyway. So, like, going to this party, it was kind of terrible. But that invitation, like, I kept in my desk for the rest of the school year because someone had invited me to something. They had looked at me, and they had said this, hey, this is important to me, and I want to share it with you. And in the same way, I mean, invitations, these invites are so powerful. When we look at someone and say, this is important to me, and I want to share it with you. I and mean, invites are a form of including others. The church should be a place 
where we include others as often as possible. Man, we should do our best to never make a place where people walk in and don't feel like they can't be here, shouldn't be here. Can we just say it this way? Telling others they matter and they are loved is powerful, and we do that just through inviting people. I want to include you. Like, man, juxtaposition, including versus not being included. Every one of us has gotten on Facebook or seen a text and went, wait, why wasn't I invited? But man, we've also probably, hopefully experienced, man, I was invited. Man, Easter season gives you the opportunity. Man, gives it to Christians to invite. Most people are talking about Easter, planning Easter, watching Easter, hearing Easter. Man, if you stream on any sort of app or any sort of TV, right now, there's all sort of series coming out about Jesus or Easter or the real Jesus or the second, and all kinds of things about Jesus. So here's what I want to do for a minute, awkwardly. I want to pause, and I want to give you just one, maybe 30 seconds, and I want you to write down the name of someone you can invite. You already know them. You already interact with them. And who is that person? And as you write that name down, I want you to pray for that name. And we'll pray for him at the end of the service. I mean, that, that person that the Lord's already laid on your heart, that name isn't just a name. That is a person who either knows Christ or doesn't, whose eternity is at stake. And gospel motives. And here's why we write down a name. Look at verse 4. So he couldn't get to Jesus. Now, this is a full grown-up man, although small in stature. We can keep that ahead of us, okay? This is a fully grown man. Influential, powerful. Let me just be clear. This is a fully grown man. He's going to go climb a tree. Okay? I don't, I don't climb trees in my spare time. Maybe you do. And if you do, no judgment. Like, I'd love to come watch, I think. But I, I don't climb, I, I climb trees as a child. I just, at 250, you just don't climb a lot of trees. Because if you fall out, you're just not getting back up real quick, right? So it says, so he runs ahead, powerful, influential, grown man, and climbed up in a tree to see Jesus. He's about to pass by. Look, if you go come by the church one day and Stephen's out in one of these trees we own, you're going to be concerned. You're going to go, hey, Josh, do you know Stephen's in a tree? Something's happening there. Is something wrong? What's happening right now? Is something wrong with him or is something wrong with the church? Listen, this is odd. What it really communicates is, look, Zacchaeus' desperation to get a glimpse of Jesus. Man, man you see his desperation. Man, think of so many there are so many today so desperate to get near Jesus. They Google church websites. They peruse social media of churches. They watch from afar. They digitally crane their necks. And I think so many people are longing for an invite. I mean, because one of the things we need as humans is we need community. We need people around us not allowing us to do this by ourselves. And so he is desperate. Verse 5, Jesus saw Zacharias. And when he... Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacharias, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And Jesus noticed him. Can you think back to when Christ noticed you? To when he started to draw you near? I mean, to the, to the feelings you had, to what it did to your soul? And what does he say? I must stay at your house today. There's the invitation, is it not? An invitation. Jesus looks at him and says, I'm coming to your house. Go make a meal. Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. This is incredible. Verse 6. Look at his response. This is a great response. 
So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. So his response is what? To receive him joyfully. He says he hurried. He came down, received him joyfully. Something was getting a hold of Zacchaeus. It was Christ. Listen, I realize you and I aren't Jesus, but we know this same Jesus today. Verse 7. And, and, and look at what's about the shift. To this point, it's been Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus. There's Jesus, Zacchaeus. And then verse 7 says, And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Listen, let that be said about you. That would be a great thing to be said about Did you know that Josh is eating with sinners? That is a great thing to be said about you. But instead, they're going to judge. Now, here's the thing. They're not judging Zacchaeus. They're judging Christ. Do you know how awful of a human Zacchaeus is? Do you know how, what he's done to people? It says, they saw it, they grumbled. I love there's no name attached. There are always slanderers, grumblers, scoffers, and people talking. But look, I'm going to say this till the day I die. Those who have nothing good or godly to say talk about other people. Ignore such people. Notice they're all grumbling, and they're all grumbling, not at Zacchaeus, but at Jesus. And take heart. Rejection and grumbling is not yours to carry. And then they say this phrase, he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Can we just see what also is being said there? Praise God for a Savior like this. Praise God for a Savior who comes near the sinner but doesn't wait for the sinner to clean themselves up and come to him perfect. Because if he doesn't come to the sinner, look at me, we are not saved. There is no salvation offered to you and I. The fact that he comes near to us is what allows for salvation. This is the best news you will hear today, that my God, that my Savior comes near to the sinner. He seeks to save the lost. That's good news for me. It's good news for you. And when I was 19 and placed faith in Christ and God saved me in my seat in that church, man, it was good news for me then and it still remains good news for me now. And don't miss that. We, we see that and go, oh, wow, it's not Zacchaeus. They are. They're also talking about you and I. Christ, our Savior, comes near to us. There's this hymn that we should sing all the time, and it says this, His grace is greater than all our sin. And we say, well, you don't know what I've done. I don't. He does, and his grace is greater than all your sin. Yeah, but you don't really know. I don't have to know. You know what I do know? That his grace is greater than all our sin. He comes near the sinner. This is what Christ has done for us. Hear me. Left the safest of places with the Father to come towards the sinner. Jesus demonstrates his love for us by coming to us as we are in our sin, meeting us there and freely offering salvation to anyone who would believe and confess that Jesus is Lord. Christ is our righteousness. There is no cleaning up our lives. Only Christ can do that. And the, and the crazy part is notice who pursues. Zacchaeus was interested. He's, there's Jesus. Hmm, curious. Look what Christ does. Come down out of that tree. Go home. We're going to your house. I'm coming to dinner with you. Man, where we often have interest, Christ pursues. And Christ pursues. He's pursuing Zacchaeus in this moment. And then check out verse 8. Like, you're going to see this. And Zacchaeus said to the Lord, behold, Lord. And he's acknowledging before man and before others that Jesus is Lord. We're going to see in the next verse or two that God saves Zacchaeus. That Zacchaeus' life changes. Zacchaeus' character, his, his internal integrity changes. And a display of what has taken place internally 
happens. Salvation always brings character change. You're going to see it. Look what he says in verse 8. Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. Remember what the Bible said? He was rich. And I have, if I have defrauded anyone, and he had, I'll restore it fourfold. If I've taken a dollar, I've given back four. Listen, he turns from stinginess and greed towards reconciliation and generosity. That's what salvation does to our own hearts. It takes the thing that, that was the burden and the struggle and flips it. God, just like, because I love you and we're friends at this point, you know the two things that like growing up I hated more than anything else? Like I would do anything to get out of them. Meeting new people and standing in front of groups and talking. I would say, God, I'd never want to do those things. Guess what I do for a living now? It's where God takes the things that we are weak in and that destroy us. And when we believe and trust and submit those to him, he uses them for his glory to do things we cannot imagine. Think of the story and the good news that Zacchaeus was able to share with others. Remember, he was rich. He was influential. And the next verse says salvation is going to come to your home. There's an implication that home, that people in the home are placing faith in Christ. So Zacchaeus shows up, gives away half his stuff, and his wife walks in. Hey, honey, did you know you gave away half our stuff? Yeah, let me tell you why. Let me tell you about a man who made it worth giving up everything because he's so much better than all these possessions we have. And his kids come in. Hey, Dad, uh, did you know that like we don't have what we used to have? Yeah, let me tell you about the man I met who changed my life, who changed my perspective, who changed my integrity. His workers would come in, man, his neighbors, his friends, his family. Man, when it says salvation came to his home, listen, one invite. Zacchaeus is invited, and salvation comes to his house. Like, do, can, I just, can we just pause and say this? Man, one invite from you can bring salvation to an entire home. Man, man, when you read the book of Acts, if you never have, I would really encourage you to. One of the things you see is how God seems to do the biggest and most profound things, and the people that he uses go unnamed. Like at the end of Acts, Paul finally makes it to Rome, and he thinks there's no church there, and it just says, some brothers greet him. Beyond Rome, the three biggest churches, like beyond the book of Acts, we have no clue who their pastors are. Here's the, here's the point of me saying that, and please write this down. The Acts would tell us that ordinary people are the tip of the gospel spear. Yet so often we believe the lie that that is the pastor or the leader's job to share the gospel. You have more power and influence to share the gospel, the book of Acts would tell me, than I do. Because here's why. Because if I walk up to your friend and they hey, who are you? I'm Josh, and we shake hands and do the pleasantries, and we talk for a minute. Well, what do you do? I'm a pastor. They go, oh. But when you go, hey, I work this job. Let me tell you about Christ. They can't look at you and go, you get paid to say that. Because you're looking at them and saying, man, this matters to me. This man has changed my life, my perspective, my everything. And yeah, that's what I do, but it's not who I am. Who I am is a worshiper of Christ, and I would love for you to invite you to be the same. And don't, don't miss this is happening. Please write this down this morning. You, and write your name, you are the tip of the gospel spear. You're going to interact with people I will never see. You're going to have conversations with people I'll never be able to talk to. And you're going to have more influence. Man, and all it takes is a simple invite. I think I have in my notes somewhere, man, that, that, that listen, an invitation is more powerful than the best theology you can muster. Not because theology doesn't matter, because the willingness just to go, hey, can I invite you to church? Because you don't have to have all the answers to invite someone to church. Where are we? Verse 9. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. And proof of salvation is found in his repentance. Proof of salvation is found in life change. And again, salvation has come to his house. There's this presumption 
that at least some of his family have also placed faith in Christ. And, and, and man, so often, how the dad goes, the family goes. And so you see Zacchaeus, this happened here, and it goes from there. Verse 10, here's your verse. Why did the Son of Man come? Does the Son of Man love me? Tell me about this Jesus. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. Conversion is at the heart of Jesus' mission to the world. Seeking the lost to see them saved. Jesus came looking for the lost. What does that mean? He had gospel motive. Inviting others to know him. I'm going to tell you a story as we wrap up here. Um, we got a text yesterday about 10 a.m. And some, some friends of ours, they're now friends, um, said, hey, we're going to be in town. Can you guys do lunch? Sure. Um, and so the friend that text uh, is named Michael. He and his wife and their, 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 their kids. And Michael was in my student ministry back in the day. Um, he was a kid that I prayed for and I hated. I don't know if you understand that. But um, prayed for a lot, got really close to, and... Uh, like if it was in the Bible, like I often wanted to smack him, although I wasn't allowed to because of the Bible. So like just one, and for five years, man, I begged the Lord and I would invite him and hey, come sit at the fire pit with me, come watch football game with me, let me interact with you, let me come to your football games. And for five years, and this guy would show up to church and then he would wild out all week. And I just, man, I would get so frustrated just thinking he was so close. He graduates from high school, gets into some trouble and then calls me and goes, hey, I, can I come to camp, like to youth camp with you this summer? And I was like, mm, yes, like because you have to say yes when you're a student pastor. And so I told him yes. And I'm like, that thing getting a felony? And he said, no. And I was like, all right. And so we, we get to talking and kind of navigating. He comes to camp. And I'll be honest, for five years I've been going after this guy. And I was like, I don't even know, man. I don't even, like, is it worth it? And I see him over there one night, like he's sitting in a chair reading the Bible. And I was like, is he doing that for me? Is he doing that because he's in trouble? Why is he doing that, right? I see him one night in worship. He's crying. He's got his hands up. And I'm like, I still don't, I'm still questioning everything. Comes to the end of the week and he hugs me. He's like, man, my life has changed. And I'm still kind of skeptical. And I've watched over the past several years, I watched him three years after high school marry this girl he meets in college who loves the Lord. And I watch him, man, get tattoos everywhere about how much he loves the Lord. And I watch this guy's life change. And yesterday we sat and we ate tacos at high tide. If you were there, I don't know. And I sat there and it was him and his wife and his three daughters who he is now telling about Jesus. There was never a theological debate with Michael. There was never, you need to get better, you need to be a better person, clean your life up. It was like, hey man, come to church. Hey man, come to church. Hey man, come to church. Listen, you have the power of this invitation, but all it takes is, hey, let me share something with you that's important to me. And, and, and can I just tell you, man, people will listen. Man, we live in a world where people are longing for hope and joy and peace because there's none of that in our world right now. And you have the answer. But yet this account right before Easter, and the Easter account is the reminder to the lost that Jesus seeks them. It's the reminder to the found that we have good news to share. And would you pray with me? God, we love you. And we're so grateful that you are a God who comes near to the sinners. You come near to me. You come near to those who are lost. God, so we want to take a minute and pray. We wrote down some names earlier. Help us not to, to uh, ignore that. Help us not to miss the fact that you gave us a name. You laid it on our heart and said, hey, man, do something here. God, would you give us the courage and the conviction to follow through? God, and we pray for those people. God, may because of your word, God, and, and your goodness, may the names we wrote down, God, may salvation come to their homes. God, would you stir their curiosity towards you? And Lord, God, we pray that you would give us conviction and eyes to see 
where we have opportunities to invite people in to hear the good news. God, and even now as we sing to you in song, God, would you continue just to man, push that, that conviction in our heart, God, that there are people all around us God, that we have an opportunity to share the gospel with. God, we need you and we love you. Thank you for tuning in to the Refuge Church Podcast. For more sermons or to learn how you can give to Refuge, check out our website at refugejackschurch.com. For those who have heard the gospel and believe the gospel, go out living the gospel. You are sent.